Welcome back, Anarchy, to the Frosty Canucks podcast. I am your host, Jason, along with Patriarch Frosty of the Frosty Light family. Nani? Nani. He has some words to say. So a couple of my friends, Kim and Pete from Later Levels, that's the name of uh, Kim's website and their Twitch channel, they are doing a charity fundraising type thing called Games Blast. It involves them collecting money, and then they're going to be for a charity called Games Blast. It helps. Or no, sorry, that's not the charity's name. The charity's name is Special Effect. I'm sorry. The event is called Games Blast. The uh, charity is called Special Effect. And this is a charity which specializes in trying to help disabled or differently abled people who can't experience games in exactly the same way as others so that they're able to experience games because games are awesome. That's the whole reason why we have this whole podcast. They are collecting donations from now until the end of February, which is when the event is formally happening. They have a number of different stretch goals. And if you want to throw them a little bit of money, that would be great. We've already met a couple of different stretch goals. The event involves a 24-hour live stream, and they're doing some additional streaming based on the amount of money that's raised. So one of the stretch goals that we met, the one I'm most passionate about reaching, <laughs> was that Pete has to wear a fucking Pikachu costume on stream for the whole 24-hour event, like the main event. I don't think he has to for all the additional days they're streaming, but definitely during the big 24-hour live stream, he has to wear a Pikachu costume. Can we bully him into wearing it more, more though? I am trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. We we got him to wear it the once. So that's uh, that's good enough. We'll include a link in the episode description if you want to go and throw some money to that. You can. I think it's a really good cause. Jason and I both have donated money to it already. By the time this goes out, you'll have a little over a month, like a month and like two weeks, I think, to be able to donate. So you should do that. Yeah, we'd appreciate it if you. Uh... Since we're out out of uh, Baroque October, November, and December, and this is like, what, saving January? <laughs> well, I mean, some people probably spent a lot of money during the holidays, but yeah, if you if you got like a, I don't know, like a, a spare tenor to throw their way, you know, it's going to, a, I think, a good cause, so. Yeah, it's a very good cause. Games should be playable by everybody, so. Anyway, on to the news about Cyberpunk. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not no. actually making No, we're not that. doing that again. <laughs> no, it's no, it's New Year's resolution time. New Year, new me. Yeah, you know how like everyone has um, like buys a gym membership at the beginning of the year, and because of the coup, no one can go to the gyms anymore. I've yeah. seen so many goddamn ads on YouTube where it's like, "Join me for my online fitness class." Yeah, I'm not really surprised by that. So funny, <laughs> but that's always like the big one. People are like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the gym more or whatever," and they don't. So. Mm-hmm. I actually should give a, I don't know if Kim listens to these regularly, but I should give a chat to Kim. There was like a charity type thing she was doing in December where you had to like run 12 miles or 12 kilometers or something. Um, and a long distance. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do the running cause I can't, but like an unofficial capacity, I just went out and went for a walk <laughs> 20, no 30 of the 31 days in December. The only one I didn't was the 28th and i can't remember why but something happened that made it so that i was just i did not go out that day but every other day i did and i got me back in the habit of going for a, a walk 
every single day or just about every single day, which I, I kind of wasn't doing because I was too afraid to leave my apartment building because of COVID. But also I like exercising. So <laughs> that's actually been a really good thing to have happen. Though I usually have to go out when it's super duper late at night so that I don't run into a lot of people because the amount of people who don't wear fucking masks is so goddamn irritating yeah it really is it's even worse because the same people who don't wear masks are also the people who don't share the sidewalk especially with with you know covid going around it's like okay like we should both walk off of the sidewalk so there's more than like a six feet gap and most of these motherfuckers will like not even they don't even if there's like two of them you ever get that when you're walking with somebody and like you're walking into somebody else who's walking with somebody you understand how to how to be a half decent human being so you like get over to one side of the sidewalk but then they don't do the same thing on their side of the sidewalk and you're like well, what the fuck man well it's the same way like in high school when like it'd be the all the girls like would like walk or i guess it'd be the guys too but they'd all walk like do too. don't 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 say the guys didn't do that <laughs> i know i know sorry uh so- I'm just remembering what my experience was. But anyway, like there'd be like the five people and they would like walk like hand, the whole hand in hand. And I'd just be like, they take up the whole entire hallway. And I'd be like, how do I dodge this? And one day I just went underneath and they're just, they just looked at me. I'm like, what did you want me to do? <laughs> I was over six feet tall by the time I entered high school. <laughs> so you probably already know where this is going. I just fucking walked through them. <laughs> I just fucking knocked people on their asses. <laughs> no fucks could be given. I was not very popular in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, but for different reasons. I'm way shorter than you, and you know that. My mom's 5'2", and my dad's like 6'2", so I got right damn in the middle at 5'8". <laughs> well, I mean, you're not like, I wouldn't say you're short. You're, you're, you're kind I'm of average. short when all of us are together, though. Because, you, like... You fuckers in my <laughs> wedding <laughs> picture all fucking tall. <laughs> yeah so okay i guess for people who don't know because no one's asked us about this and we're like what like 10 episodes in now um jason Nine. and i are related so <laughs> that's how we know each other but we're also friends yeah, he's my cousin on my father's side yeah but like my dad is like very tall and then my mom is for a woman she's very tall i think she's like mm-hmm. five ten, so she's like extremely tall for a woman mm-hmm. and then i'm over six feet tall my sisters are like all of my family is like really tall and then everyone from mom's side of the family, they're all super duper tall as well. So like some of our cousins are like me where they're over six feet tall. And then there's like normal sized people, but they look diminutive because a bunch of us are just fucking monsters. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the Not only wrong. word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think our cousin John is the tallest. He's like six, five or six, six. He's, he's just fucking massive. Yeah, he's. Thin but as anyway. can be. <laughs> yeah, but tall as tall as a tree, yeah. So, like none of us are particularly wide. We're we're all tall and pretty like slender in our builds, but except me. <laughs> except well. Well, I mean y- yeah, like but like in general, like there's not like a lot like most of us are like trees, like you said, just like tall and, and like slenderish or like kind of normalish now. I think that now that not like not all of us are young, we're starting to not look as like, I I know I don't look as decrepit and thin as i used to so <laughs> that's what that's a one way of saying it I actually look like a normal human being now that's something that someone said to me back before COVID happened they saw me and they hadn't seen me after for like two years and they're like oh man you look you look you, you look great you look like you've actually gained some weight you look like a normal person now <laughs> congratulations you've joined society yeah well i mean for a while like in college i was only like 120 pounds and then i had the the fucking surgeries happen and i dropped like even lower than that as oh god (laughs) 
keeping in mind people who are listening that i am six foot three so you know only being like 110 pounds you can imagine what that would look like <laughs> i'm almost certain that's uh underweight and if you look at the bmi scale <laughs> yeah and the bmi scale is the most unreliable piece of shit on the planet but <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't factor in a muscle, muscle. weight. At yeah, all. it doesn't factor in muscle or or if you have like different bot like just because some people are slender build, some people have wide shoulders, some people have wide hips. Those people like just because of their builds have more weight because their body just carries more weight on those specific spots. I mean, overall, it's just a good measure. Anyway, this is super duper off topic. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, no, because my New Year's resolution is to lose the remainder of uh, my weight uh, for COVID just so that I, whenever I show up for this next family function, I'm just going to be like, look, I'm back to like what I was in high school. Huzzah. You're going to blow everyone's fucking mind when we get to see you again in person. Cause you've already lost how much weight? I had lost 45 pounds and then I just let Christmas have fun and then I've overall lost 35 pounds in 2020. Yeah, so that's tremendous. But yeah, if we don't see each other for another year, which is possible, then <laughs> yeah, then by the time we see you, there's a chance you'll have lost like over 50 pounds in total. If I follow the same pattern I did, because I did it this, I did the weight loss thing for about. I'd say April to end of August. So what's that like four or five months? Yeah, something like that. And that's when I lost like most of the weight. I lost the 45 pounds and then I was managing. There's just a bunch of things going on at work that I was just like, oh, okay, I'm getting out of the habit of exercising daily and eating properly. And I'm just making it a good effort in order to um, restart those habits this year. That's like me with walking, right? Like once you get in the habit of doing something, it's much easier to just maintain doing something. Yeah, exactly. Doing it. Well, I mean, that's probably the reason Opus done so well. Oh, yeah. Our, grand- <laughs> our grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> He's a spry old guy. Mm-hmm. I imagine that people will be blown away when they when they see you. It'll be like when I grew the fucking goatee and like the first... <laughs> the first family function we got together and I had the goatee everyone was like oh my god you look great with the goatee and I'm like yeah I know that's why I grew it <laughs> oh my god you can wear facial hair oh my goodness yeah that's one year new year's resolution my other one would be I want to finish all the damn dark souls games what because I don't even know which ones you've played so which ones have you played I think I tried all of them I just never finished them so this time I actually this year I actually want to finish them let me rephrase that question. Which Dark Souls games have you finished? Bloodborne and Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Both yeah, so like, great From Software games. That's like the FromSoft games, not necessarily Dark Souls. I thought you meant Dark Souls as like literally Dark Souls instead of FromSoft games. Yeah, I played Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. I just haven't never get really very far in them. I don't know what it is about them, but I'm going to give them another try this year. Is Demon Souls part of that as well? Well, if I can get my hands on a damn PS5 this year, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I could. I could pick up the PS3 copy. <laughs> yeah, I know. With when there's a better 11 year old remaster of it. Yeah. I'll believe in New Year's resolutions because it doesn't matter if it's the new year or if it's not the new year. You can just make changes in your life whenever, and that's the attitude I try to adopt. But if you put a gun to my head and said, "What are your New Year's resolutions?" Um, I'm just going to continue doing the same things I was doing before. So I want to make my art better. I started in on trying to use 
like some basic shapes and geometry to help influence how I was doing proportions and poses and, and body work, for lack of a better term. Yeah, like the structure. Yeah, I did that in like kind of tail end of 2020. And I want to continue refining that so that the work is a little bit better in 2021. Just between like where I started 2020 and where I finished it, there was a lot of improvement, a lot of growth. So I kind of just want to keep chugging along and hopefully I'll just keep getting better. Stuff I've done so far this year is easily some of my best work. So <laughs> I've only mm-hmm. done two pictures yeah, so far. So better. what else? Oh, I guess just keep trucking along with the blog. I uh, really fly by the seat of my pants with the blog, I think. <laughs> the back half of last year, I had a really successful run on the blog. I don't really know why, but it, it's like the, the amount of views and traffic and shit I was getting. It was pretty high. And I was having a lot of fun with the articles I was writing. So or mostly anyway. So I guess I'll just keep doing that. I did conceive a new idea for, and you're, you're reminding me of this before we mm-hmm. started. I did conceive a new idea for how I want to do review style posts because I hate writing formal reviews. You can probably tell that if you looked at the amount of reviews <laughs> I wrote in 2020. I think I wrote like four of them or five of them. So I am not a huge fan of the review format, but I came up with a new idea for a quasi review format. Like I came up with that in kind of December and then wrote the first of those in December. And that post is going to be live at some point in January. And I'm hoping that that will help me to write review posts without it being this like really clinical, really formulaic, boring ass. I hate writing reviews. They're so shit. <laughs> well, it's like you have to talk about aspects of the game you liked, which if they're there, that's not bad. And then aspects of the game you maybe didn't like. But then you also have to cover off things that you don't maybe have an opinion on because you guys have to like, you have to state that it's there so people know it's there because reviews are supposed to be informative. But I don't really like doing that part because it's very boring. So this is like kind of just be first impressions or like slightly more detailed? Because first impressions are something you fart out after you play the game for like two hours and don't know anything about it. No, this is more of a, I'm calling them you should play and the idea or my intent with them is to present to you a game tell you why it is interesting and why you should play it hence the name you should play so it's like a review in that it tells you about a product and gives you a high level of what that product is about but then i also want to try to convince you to give it a try I'm going to probably use that as a way to focus on games that have very inter or what I find to be very interesting mechanics that I think are worth checking out uh, an experience for because a lot of, well, I don't have to say a lot of, but like there's a number of experiences or games that I play throughout a year that I enjoy because they have like one or two really interesting mechanics that I think make them worth people checking out. You don't necessarily have to finish the game, but just like, if you check it out, you'll be like, ooh, this is neat. This is interesting. I, you know, I like this. So I've, I've got one of those written up already. Actually, by the time this goes out, oh, no, not quite. But it, it's the first one's for Carto, which was featured in my Game of the Year list because the map building mechanic is really fucking interesting. Mm. And that plays really interestingly to how puzzles are done. And like mechanically, you can use it as a way to move around the map more efficiently, which is also really neat because you can pick up like the map tile you're on and just fucking place it somewhere else to help get you across the map. (laughs) Or you can build up the area you need to be in around you so that you don't have to walk halfway across the map to get 
it's neat. The, the article explains the mechanic, and uh, hopefully it convinces more people to try it out. I did not see like anyone talking about that game, and it's one of the more interesting designed games that came out of 2020. So Yeah, I've heard think, nothing about it other than yeah, from you and your post. Yeah, so it's something that I think a lot of people should check out. I think a lot of people would enjoy it because of the mechanic and also because it's got a pretty... I'm not going to say it's got like the world's most involved in intelligent story, but it does have a pretty wholesome story in it as well that I think a lot of people will be able to sit down and be like, oh, this is nice. So it's a neat old game. So Cool. I'll add maybe my other um, New Year's resolution. Kind of uh, aping this from Gaming Omnivore. I'm going to do... Uh, hmm? Just going to keep track of the games you're playing? Yeah, I'm going to do a track of the games I play in 2021, uh, particularly the ones that I... Um, Platinum or 100% because I like playing on the PlayStation. Yeah. And that's just going to be an easy way for uh, the end of the year for uh, when we're still doing this. Well, I, I told you that I the only reason I can remember stuff is because I keep a, a list, like an actual physical list on a piece of paper of everything that I've played in the year. Yeah. So I just figured that'll be my easy little cheat sheet at the end of the year. That'll tell me what the hell I played and what I liked and what I didn't. Because what I do is for those little posts, I I put a pros list and a cons list about uh, what I liked and I didn't like about the game. The only problem being because it's Twitter, I it's nice and short and simple. Yeah, well, I mean, I just keep a physical list with the names of the games. And then uh, at the end of the year, I usually digitize it and add it to a giant spreadsheet in Google Sheets. So Mm -hmm. I've got, I think, five tabs in that now and i gotta add a sixth one for 2021 <laughs> so i've been doing that for a few years now i guess more than a few years but yeah that's just so i can keep track of everything because the big thing i find is that like um when it comes to game of the year time i know a lot of people are guilty of this so don't feel personally called out by this but a lot of people forget games they played earlier on in the year then they just won't make the cut in their game of the year lists it'll be stuff that they played in like the last six months because that's all they can remember yeah, but it's also fair because like a lot of games do come out for October, November, yeah, the later December, half of the year, yeah, the later half of the year during the, the holiday tri- rush, the the AAA holiday rush, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I understand there has been a definitely a good shift towards like providing like good quality games over like the first half of the year, though. Like that seems to be more of a trend. Like, didn't Monster Hunter come out in January to like? Absolutely no competition, if I'm remembering correctly. It was competing against nothing. So a bunch of people were like, I guess I'll play this open world game looking thing with the big monsters in it because there's nothing else new that came out. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably why Bioware's Anthem came out in, uh, what was it, February, March, something like that. And the year it came out and that's why it sold so well. I think it was March or April. That was an EA game by Bioware. <laughs> That's true, too. Fucking Ma- Mass Effect Andromeda is the best-selling Mass Effect game in the series. That game was a critical disaster, so... Critically, yes. Fan-wise, yes. But, but commercially, it's the best-selling one in the... Def- it's best-selling one in the franchise by a long shot, too. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. It almost doubled the sales of Mass Effect 3, based on what I could find online. Everyone being shocked when it was revealed at the Game Awards is like, no, it sold so well. There's no way they were going to 100% shelf that game. They were just going to yeah. yell at that universe die and then just, okay, we're going to do the fourth one. Or we're going to do another spinoff where it's going to be characters you probably like more. Because I guess they'll have their kind of A-team probably doing the game instead of, uh, what was it, uh, Bioware, 
Edmonton, Montreal. I'm trying to remember which one did it. Montreal was the primary developer, but Bioware's A team is responsible for Anthem, so that's not indicative of any amount of quality. All right, fair enough. There's also an entire <laughs> article. It it is a no, it's not an article, it's a novel. Jason Schreier, before he stopped working <laughs> for Kotaku, wrote up a giant article. People wanted to blame EA for the failure that was Anthem. Anthem's failure is squarely on Bioware's head. If EA had done more to actually force that company to deliver something and actually had overseen what they were doing instead of giving them almost free reign, then the game might have actually been better than it was, which I know is going to make a lot of people boo and hiss. That game was a directionless project for almost the entirety of the time it was in development. And when you don't have a clear vision of the goal, you're sorry, prefacing this, speaking from a software development perspective, if you don't have a clear goal that you're working towards, like if someone hasn't stated a clear vision of what your end objective is, it's really hard to just produce software because a lot of making a piece of software involves having some kind of clear concept of what you're working towards so you can actually conceptualize it and work backwards from that point to deliver what that thing is. If you just have some nebulous, it's going to be like this maybe as your goal, then it's like, what the fuck am I supposed to work on? And if you do that for five years, it's like, yeah, you just never ever implement anything or create anything concrete because you didn't know what the fuck you were even working towards in the first place. I can totally sympathize with the development team from Bioware in that regard because it's like, yeah, when you don't have like clear, like a good management structure and you don't have someone who's like actually guiding and steering the ship, it's really fucking frustrating trying to make software. Agreed. Yeah. No. I mean, I guess you'd know about that too, group. wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Jason uh, Schreier's article on that, um, on Mass Effect. No, Anthem. Well, sorry. Anthem, on yeah. Anthem is a. Uh, it's a great read. I... But yeah, it speaks to a bunch of fundamental problems within Bioware that are specifically Bioware related. The management there is asked here. And there's also a big problem where some of the staff in the Edmonton office have an elitism problem where they think they are better than all of the other staff from the other studios. And that resulted in them just fucking ignoring when other studios were trying to, like the other Bioware Austin studios were trying think, to help yeah. them. Yeah, it boggles my mind because the people from the Austin studio were like, yeah, we'd say like, hey, you have to do this if it's like an always online game. And we know that because we've been working on KOTOR for however many years. And when it originally launched, yeah. it was shit tier. And now we've gotten into a point where after 12 years or 12 years, many years. years, after many <laughs> years of development, we were learning through failing. That's what we did. If you want to do like a story-driven quest in an like an all, always online setting, it has to be done this particular way. That's a lesson that we learned. And people in Edmonton were like, "We know better than you. We're the A team." And it's to fucking ignore them and made like all the exact. Well, they made all the exact same mistakes that like Bioware Austin made when they originally released Knights of the Old Republic. So it's like, what the? Because they didn't listen. They didn't learn. They didn't. I. Yep. But then again, people from Edmonton are fucking assholes. So I fucking guess we have, Canada's we the, Texas. We have the privilege to say that. <laughs> Not the privilege to say. I don't give a fuck if they if they if someone comes on here and challenges me for saying that. I ever like. I meant because we're Canadian, but yeah. <laughs> they, I, I don't care. <laughs> Canada's <laughs> Texas. <laughs> That's the truth. Fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> what the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> uh, we're ending the New Year's resolutions. I was going to do my platinum 100% list, and that's that's that. Okay. So. Speaking of games that uh, didn't meet expectations, uh, we have a viewer question. Yeah, so this one comes from Thomas yet again. 
this week, Thomas asks, actually, hold on, let me read this for a second. He said I could paraphrase it. You know what? No, I'll just read it the way he's got it here. So <laughs> Thomas says or asks, we have seen time and time again when a game is released and it doesn't meet expectations. Example given, The Outer Worlds. Do you think overhype for a game is the fault of the fans for letting their excitement get the best of them, or is it the developers for overpromising and underdelivering? I mean, both? Yeah, that's kind of where I, I stand on it, and I wanted to get into the reasons why I think it's both, but I mean, it's, I case, it's case by case because, like, No Man's Sky was an example of the developers overpromising because, ah, it's going to be this procedurally generated world and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to be able to like see other players. And but they overpromised at first. And then everything that came after that was people just making shit up and asking a bunch of questions. And Sean Murray was in a compromising situation mm-hmm. where he couldn't, you couldn't watch a bunch of interviews from him in like the year and a half before that game was released. And he's really downplaying a lot of things. And looks like really uncomfortably nervous in a lot of the fucking interviews. He's not a man who should have been giving any of those interviews at all. Right. The internet historian has an entire video chronicling No Man's Sky. And I forget what exactly it was, but he's like, somebody asked him a question about the game. And he gave an answer that was basically like, we want to do that, but we haven't done that. And the response from game journalists was to go and publish articles everywhere saying that that thing he'd been asked about, that he said, like, we want to do it, but we don't know if we'll be able to. Everyone was like, oh, No Man's Sky has this feature now. And that happened. I didn't know about that. That happened numerous times to the game, where it was like reported that he said, like he'd give like a vague or like, well, we don't really have this feature, but it'd be nice if we could have it kind of a thing. He wanted to do that, but he's like, well, I don't know if we can. And then game journalists would just go and publish like, oh, No Man's Sky is going to have like fucking this feature. And it's like, oh, my God, because that's how game journalist sites get fucking ads or ad revenue and people on their site for views and clicks by posting these like dumbass clickbaity articles. So it's like in that regard, I'd say it's equal parts like Sean Murray's fault for, you know, not the man is not was never really decisive and didn't ever put his foot down against people in a way that convincingly said like no you guys need to dial back your expectations but also i don't know if he could because sony was bankrolling the project and they would have just flayed him for saying something like that and at the same time then you have like game journals going out there and just like publishing demonstrably false information that really overhyped people and got the hype train going crazy for that game because it was a big ticket item it was generating views and ad revenue for their sites so they're not going to not do that so is this less the the fans are the fault or more that it's the game journalists kind of riling up fans everyone is sort of at fault Like, Sean's at fault for saying it, so that's the developer. The game journos are at fault for lying, because they lied. <laughs> and then the fans who wanted that information gave motivation to the game journos, which caused them to, like, want to lie in the first place. But then also, they just get in this rabid frenzy where they're constantly hyping each other up. So it's like... Oh, uh, so it's I like think... a circle of fuckery. Yeah, <laughs> a, a circle of fuckery, exactly. It's 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 very much uh, everyone's an asshole here kind of situation, I think. Circle of an anus? <laughs> Though, 
I think that in general, the problem stems from, yeah, there's like a ton of times where developers will overpromise stuff and, you know, then it won't be tenable for them to actually implement those features. They might want to and they might think they can, but then something will come up. I, I've done enough software development where, you know, you never plan for every fucking stupid thing that'll come up. And I think anyone who's worked in any software anywhere will tell you that is the case. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, video games are more lucrative than movies so the people who are investing in these types of things they want their big payouts they want their big fat roi from their investment and you know that game's got to ship before people start making money so then you end up with this situation where people are like well we have to launch the game now because fucking we can't afford not to launch the game now so they'll launch it and it's in whatever state it's in and that's kind of it i think that's a big part of why a lot of games launch in sort of an incomplete state so in that regard, the game developers are at fault for saying, you know, like, this is what this game's going to be like. And then, you know, the game just doesn't deliver on that because, you know, there's numerous reasons for why the because. It could have been that the feature was too complex. It could have been maybe it wasn't actually that fun when they implemented it and tried it out. It was more complex than they or It, it, it was too buggy, so they removed it from the game. They might have not had enough time. Yeah, that reminds me of, like, a good another good example of this would be the cyberpunk game that came out obviously but regarding a feature that was taken out it was there was the wall running part that was uh, taken out and that was just because it didn't work for their game yeah. but obviously they had shown that before or talked about it at the very least so people were like oh you took out features and it's like it didn't work with the end product so yeah and that's sorry. i think that's totally understandable and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that i i get really bugged out with when this is kind of a big problem with the marketing cycle for video games. When you show off a game too early and you're not you're not necessarily sure if a feature is going to be around still or if it makes sense to be around still, you could end up in a situation where you're like, this feature does not make sense in this game or it's not adding something concrete or useful to the experience that we want to present to the players. And thus, you know, oh, we should remove it. But oh, we can't remove it because we showed it off. It's like, well, this fucking feature doesn't make sense to have in this game anymore. Like, why? Like, what, you need to get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think the developers, they hold a lot of the bag in regard to over-promising, over-hyping a game. Now, uh, fans, the, <laughs> the levels of excitement that some people get to is unreasonable. I don't understand how people go from game to game to game expecting it to be the second coming of jesus christ every single time it's like people got super excited like just unreasonably excited for no man's sky and they were hyping up to be like this fucking amazing like there's no way it was going to live up to those expectations cyberpunk exact same thing fallout 76 (laughs) that's an entire other problem but people love fallout (laughs) games and we're hyping that game up like it was going to be crazy good follow up with my friends Hell yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry. That was my uh, inner fan uh, voice. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> Hollow Knight Silk Songs, another one. People are really <laughs> excited about a new Hollow Knight game. And I'm like, man, I don't when know. When's it coming out? Yeah, basically. I don't know if people are going to get to the point where they're just like unreasonably excited by, for this game. And it's like, well, if the game's like, you know, just good, which I expect it will be, then they'll be like, oh, this wasn't the greatest thing ever. It didn't give me a blowjob while fingering my asshole fuck this game then i guess like uh, Uh. (laughs) it doesn't happen for every game i will say that it does not happen for every game but there are certain games that when they hit a certain amount of popularity they seem to attract this group of i'm just gonna call them idiots because they're idiots this group of idiots who just like overhype the shit out of the game 
they get very excited by overhyping the game, and then when they actually play it, they're just like not impressed because they've convinced themselves that this is going to be the second coming of Christ. I almost feel like that group of people has more fun getting hyped up about the games than they do actually playing video games. And those people are kind of, they're kind of assed here. They're kind of ass cheeks. It's more of a problem for like sequels or at the very least games that come from, I mean, obviously a well-respected developer. Got to be some kind of reason that motivates people to get so fanatical about it, right? The only exception really being Hello Games, uh, No Man's Sky. I mean, I know they made a few other games, but they weren't like blockbusters. Yeah, they weren't like that. I think the thing with that was that forget exactly what the initial sales pitch was, but the initial sales pitch, even I thought the initial sales pitch for that game was really compelling. It's just that the end experience doesn't really live up to that initial sales pitch. Even now, after all the updates, I don't think it does. There might be some people who would dispute that with me, but that's fine. You're allowed to disagree with me. I expect most people will. But yeah, I agree with you in that regard. It's like if it's a sequel or if it's like a, the next game from Studio X that made this really popular game, then people get really excited about it on that basis because they're like, oh, this this is from that developer I like. Okay, then that means it's going to be the best thing ever. Yeah, when Naughty Dog does its next game, the the best of us. I don't know. The fucking best of us. <laughs> oh, man. All I could come up with. Video games are meant to be fun, Jason. It's got to be the fucking the sad, gloomy, dark times. <laughs> That's fine. what the next game's uh, going to be. The last of Uncharted. I don't know. Actually, their next game's probably going to... Does this count as a spoiler anymore if I talk about the ending of Uncharted 4? Have you played I mean, it? I have not played it, but oh. Well, so I guess spoilers for Uncharted 4. Just skip like a, head, like a minute. Uncharted 4? Yeah, Uncharted 4. At the very end of Uncharted 4, Elena and Drake, they have like a teenage daughter and she like figures out about their like last, their all their adventures. And I'm like, okay, so like the next game is going to be about this teenage daughter. Uncharted and Tomb Raider are both going to have female protagonists. That's, that's, that's really the point I'm going to make where it's like, it's no longer Uncharted is like the male equivalent to Tomb Raider. It's just going to be Tomb Raider. <laughs> well, that's what they did with the Uncharted um, Lost Legacy. It was the spinoff with, that was featured yeah. um, Chloe and the, the girl. Nadine, from, I think. Yeah. One of the antagonists from Uncharted 4. And yeah, I have played Uncharted 4. I thought you were talking about The lo- the Last of Us Part 2. Oh, no, 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 no. I was talking about Uncharted 4. Yeah, no, it's been it's been long enough for that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's been, it's, it came out in 2016, 2015? It's been a long time, that's for sure. It's been a while, anyway. That's going to be their next game. But yeah, getting back to the point I said before, it, generally speaking, it's equal parts the developers, and that you know changes on a contextual case-by-case basis. And then there's that group of morons, and every like big game has that same group of morons who get more excited about being excited about something Hype train, hype train, hype yeah, train, hype train. I'm sorry. They just live for riding the hype train more so than they actually do playing the games themselves, right? And yeah, how many of them do you actually think actually buy the game? I think a lot of them buy the game. I don't think a lot of them finish the game. I think they play it for mm-hmm. a couple of hours, get bored, and then move on to complaining about shit on Twitter. No, they move. They change tra- uh, trains at the station to the next type one. Yeah, just like, and and I don't think that that Follow is wrong. <laughs> I don't think that's wrong on the basis that more than half of people who play games don't finish them. In fact, I think the status closer to about three quarters of people who play any given game will not finish it. I'd agree with you on that based off of achievements and stuff like that. Yeah. Story based ones, I'm always like, oh, only one third of people have ever finished uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon or something like that. 
there's a lot of people in the blogging community who wrote Game of the Year lists and had games on them that they didn't finish, which I have opinions about, but I'm not going to state them here. Again, don't feel personally attacked. You can just tell me the fuck off. <laughs> but um, that kind of further cements the idea that it's like, yeah, there's a ton of people who just like start stuff and won't finish. I mean, there's like a couple of games I played on Game Pass that I like started and it was like, yeah, this is not for me and I stopped playing it. So I think that's a little bit different than, than you know enjoying a game and then not finishing it, though. To me, that's a very foreign concept. If I like a game, I'll finish it. I mean, it depends on what the your degree of finishing it a game is like it's kind of hard to i guess say finish destiny 2 or something like that oh yeah okay so when i mean like finish i mean like if it's a story-based game i'll play it to the end if it's a game that doesn't necessarily have an end i will play it for a time to which i feel satisfied with my experience most games that don't have like a definitive end that'll be usually about the same amount of time as a story-based game so about 20 to 30 hours if i really like the game i'll probably play it for longer Mm. But, uh, yeah. So, like, your Battlefront, like EA's Battlefront, like, Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, yeah, if, if, if that was a game... That only had multiplayer, yeah. Yeah, if, if that was a game I actually enjoyed, I'd probably end up playing it for, like, 50, 60, 100 hours. But if it not so much, yeah. then I might, you know, play it for, like, 20-ish hours if I, if I, if I kind of like it, but not super, I'm not super big into it. And then if I really don't like something, I'll bounce off of it, like, within an hour. Makes sense, yeah. Let's see. Though I'm surprised... In the as the example was the outer worlds, I thought it was fairly um, met a lot of expectations. Did it not? Some people really liked it. Thomas and myself, we're both Fallout New Vegas fans, right? And which is I, the developer of it. Yeah, which is for, it's from Obsidian. Thomas thought it was really underwhelming compared to New Vegas, really, and. Yeah, I started playing it. I I bounced off of it in it's super duper quick. I played it for like two 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 and a half hours, and I was like, nope, this is this this is boring. I don't like this. So, <laughs> hmm, because I yeah, critically it was fairly well received, and uh... mostly I guess it did about as well Metacritic as New Vegas did. From what I could tell, some critics were saying it was exactly what they wanted, and I saw others saying it was kind of underwhelming. So I get, it really depended on who you went to. Mm. Most people generally seem to agree that it was like, at worst, it was all right. And compared to, you know, the fact that I forget who, I think it might have been Yahtzee said this, but he's like, I think the only reason people were saying it was so good was because people were so starved for that kind of a game when it came out that they would just accept anything that was passable. Oh, because of Fallout 76. Yeah, like Fallout 76 and then Anthem was also released in the same year. So it's like two of the big developers who released that kind of game released not that kind of game. So it had been almost, I think, four years or five years since the last kind of major game that was like The Outer Worlds came out. So people who wanted those kinds of games were really starved for one of those kind of, like a first-person RPG kind of thing. So they just accept anything that was passable as good because, like, when you're starving, everything tastes delicious, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was not super impressed with what I saw when I played the game. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. (laughs) That's too bad because I've been kind of looking forward to playing that at some point. I mean, you might like it. I'm. I think I have become like infamous as uh, <laughs> infamous as the the man who does not like RPGs. But <laughs> do you have anything else to add on t- Thomas's question? 
Uh, no, those are the main uh, big culprits of the last little while. Anthem, No Man's Sky, Fallout 76. Fallout 76, yeah. Fucking Todd Howard, that lying piece of shit. Don't believe anything that comes out of that man's mouth. Ever. Starfield will be the next coming of Space Jesus. The man is a liar. He's a Peter Molyneux level liar. Oh yeah, throw out Fallout 76. That was That was the worst game. Now, Starfield. Yeah. You can grow an acorn in space. Anyway. Yeah, I think that, just as a side tangent, based on some things that Todd and I think Pete Hines have said in interviews, I have a feeling that people are going to be disappointed by The Elder Scrolls Six and Starfield, unless the company changed direction from some of the things they've said in interviews. They have gone on record as saying they were planning to use the creation engine still for both Ooh. of those games. Yeah, that's that's why I'm like, mm, I don't know if the kind of things that people complain about in Fallout 4 and Fallout like 76, they might they're still gonna be there. Then that's I think it's really gonna piss some people off. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, it'll probably help if it's I guess essentially PS5. Xbox Series X and then someone uh, who's who's seen those games on PC unless they're using the same shit that the modders do which will not be the case they will not do that <laughs> there is no way cuz it's possible to make Skyrim look like bet like better than a fucking PS5 game right with mods but that's not something historically the Bethesda has ever done because that takes effort and time and having a bit of fucking respect for yourself this is why neither of us fucking buy Bethesda game. We just don't like this company. <laughs> I've won Bethesda games before. But Developed, not published. I've played Skyrim. Okay, never mind. To be fair, that was... I played Skyrim, and I played Fallout 4. That's it. You played the big Well, and I tried Fallout 76, but then I threw that Good back Lord. in. Good Lord. <laughs> threw it back in the garbage where it belonged. No, I gave it to some other poor soul for the same amount of money I paid for it. And I was just like, he's like, is it a good game? I'm like... Uh-huh. Oh, you lied to them? <laughs> you sack of shit. <laughs> if you're not going to fit... I don't know. You're not going to do your fantastic. research beforehand? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, like, it was like $10, $15. That's all I was asking for anyway. That's all I yeah. got it for, too. So, like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Are we good to move into the games we've been playing so we can talk about Yakuza Like a Dragon for the next hour? Oh, hell yeah. All right, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Have you you finished it now, yeah? I have finished it. I have finished all 15 chapters. What are you on? I got to chapter 9 on the weekend, and then I've spent this entire week just doing side quests and side activities that I missed between chapters, I think, 6. I think 6 is when a big oh shit story moment happens. And yeah. then I just, I just like changed 6 into 7 into 8 and then to, like, to 9, <laughs> and when 9 kind of like let me go back into the open world. I like kind of face planted back into it. It's like, oh shit, there's like 12 side quests I can do now. I should go do this. <laughs> yeah. The one of the big changes that they made for this new engine was that or I guess in general with their games is they always display where the side quests are now versus in zero where you just kind of I... walk into that. I was confused about that because I forgot that. And I was like, man, I feel like in Zero, I didn't see as many side quests because I just stumbled into them. And now I feel like I just look like I just keep looking at the map and being like, oh, this is where I need to go. 
I feel like that kind of takes away from the games a little bit. Mm-hmm. I actually liked stumbling into them randomly instead of looking at the map and being like, okay, here's where the next objective is, and then just walking directly over to it. Though I feel like the map in 7 is too big for that to happen, oh, which is for, why they did yeah. it. It's too. It's way too big for that. It works for worked for Kamarucho, and it worked for Soten Boro. Soten Bori, yeah. But for this map, it would have just been like, where's the S extra side quest? I know that this is number 13 on the list. What the hell? Yeah, I would have preferred if the map was about a third of the size that it is. I agree. It's it's so big. It's nice to look at, but it, yeah, it's a really pain. It's a real big pain in the ass to, to traverse. It, it, the, it's not as densely packed as, as Yakuza 0. And I really liked how densely packed both of the maps are in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the, the world layout. It's very, it's really nice to uh, nice to look at, but yeah, overall, yeah. It's like it feels too much like other open world games, and I mean that to sound derogatory because I don't like other open world games. They're just they're very big, but it's not about the size; it's about how you use it. Penis joke, but in all seriousness, like if you have a big <laughs> open world and you don't fucking do anything interesting with it, then it just means that all of your interesting content just takes a really long time to get to, and that's really frustrating and annoying for like some of the player base. Yeah, speaking of frustrating, my god, the taxi system is just a fucking mess in that that game. Oh yeah, so you fast travel by getting in a taxi cab and paying to go to another place that a taxi cab exists. But you have to interact with that said taxi, even yeah. if you aren't planning on going any other direction other than like upward in the map. You have to interact with it just to make it like a fast point check. It's so stupid. It's kind of frustrating because it interrupts flow. Where you you know you're going somewhere and you see a taxi, you're like, oh okay, and you just stop moving because God forbid if you try and touch the input while you're running past <laughs> no. it, it does not work. It does um, not work at all. So you stop moving and you press A or I guess on the PlayStation you press X, X yeah. and then you interact with the taxi. It cuts to a thing where you look inside the taxi. You have to get through a dialogue prompt, then press B or just cancel and select say no, and then it's added to your system. And you have to do this for every single one of the taxis, which there are numerous ones because the map, as we previously just said, it's fucking big. I was, what was it? I think it was in chapter four or five and I had you none met, of them. You messaged me. And I'm like, how do you unlock the, the fast travel, man? I don't have any of them. You're like, oh, you got to talk to the, the, the taxis. I'm like, wow, I wish I'd known that when I was walking through two thirds of the fucking map. My, I think the game yeah, tells one of that, few... but I totally yeah. forgot about it. I don't think it did because I don't remember reading up on it unless it was like in one of the 30 tips that they give you at the beginning of the game when you open up your damn phone. Oh, yeah. And it's just flooded with a bunch of information that mo- the, mostly the game has already told you in tutorials. That's oh man. Ooh. And me, there's just me like clearing it going, oh, my OCD, my OCD, my OCD. Get rid of yeah, these. Well, it has a giant <laughs> fucking thing. Whenever you open the, the menu, mm-hmm. it has like a big fat red marker. that's like, hey, pay attention to me. <laughs> So it's like, well, now I want to get rid of this because it's, it's like it's grabbing my attention, which I don't want it to do. Yeah, that was just a boneheaded decision to, for the uh, taxis to be. You have to interact with them. But when you go back to Camarocho, you don't have to interact with a single goddamn taxi. They're all unlocked when you get there. So why in this one? Ichiban lived there for like fucking 20 years. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but counterpoint, you also go to Sotenbori in this game. Okay. And all the taxes are unlocked in that. That's okay. The, then it's the big dumb. That's why it's the big dumb. I know it's because essentially, oh, you don't know this map all that well, and you probably don't need to 
go as far. But the the easiest solution is once I walk within the proximity of the taxi, I should just go, ah, that's a fucking taxi. Noted on my map. Don't make it interrupt anything either. Just have it be like when the different characters are talking to each other and it just brings up like the text on the side, the left hand side of the screen. Yeah, like, like oh, a taxi nearby, or it can just even be a voice line where one of the characters remarks, like, "Oh, there's a taxi here. You should remember this." And then, just yeah. in the corner, Ichiban will remember this, like Telltale. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's that's aping a little too much. This is all about Dragon Quest. Yeah, I don't think any of the RPG systems in the game work at all on any level. I think they're actively really bad. They're passable to slightly failable. So my whole thing is, like, I actually like the beat-em-up combat from the previous games. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that is gone and has been replaced by just shit-tier, turn-based, you-don't-have-to-think combat, I'm like, wow, this is actually worse. This actually makes the game worse by virtue of taking away an aspect of the game that was fun and replacing it with just fucking bullshit. I think that you would really, really like either Yakuza 6 or Yakuza Kiwami 2. Oh, Kiwami 2 is on, on Steam. And Game Pass, actually. I uh, I don't know if 6 is. I think... 6 is going to be. Yeah, they announced that it's going to be, so maybe I'll... Spoiler warning for the Yakuza story. Skip to 51.19. In 3, 2, 1. I know I can I like vaguely know the story of the games between 0 and 6, so I could just... Or I could just ask Maz for like a... Hey, can you tell me all of like the major events that happened up to this point? Shit happened. Yeah. Well, I know that. Actually, no, I don't want to have to put a giant Ikusa spoiler up on this fucking podcast. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I actually played one, then zero, then six. Okay. Then I played two, then three, then four, and I stopped to play five. I know that like the story of of like a dragon apes what happens in one. Very much partially. so. Very, very much so. And then I know that eventually. Spoilers for all of the Yakuza games starting now. I'll get Jason to put a timestamp for the entire spoilery bit. I know yeah. that it's either in one or two, Nishiki has a kid and then Nishiki dies, and then you end up raising the kid as your adopted kid. And then, like, three, like, two, three, and four involve you being daddy Kiryu raising this kid. And then I think in five and six, she has a kid. I know in six, she definitely in has a kid. In six, she has the kid. In, f- in five, He's still kind of raising her in that one. Okay. But yeah, I know that it, it, by, by six, he's granddaddy Hideyu. Because the events in, in five lead to him being arrested. And then when and he gets part, arrested that, the second time? Yeah, but he's only in jail for like three or four years. It's very little. So there's like oh, that. Instead of the, the actual like 20 years, like kind of like yeah. that. And that is, it's like the first game starts. So Yakuza the first and Yakuza like a dragon both start off with the main protagonist being the fall guy. And then yep. they go to jail for like two decades and then they come out and everything's fucking different. And they're like, oh my God, what the hell happened? <laughs> Technology. Don't yeah. understand. Well, Kiryu is <laughs> even more confused by it because he was in jail when like cell phones and computers really took off as like a in business. He was still using a fucking like pager. Yeah, he's using a pager. Right? But- So at least Ichiban knows what a cell phone is. So when he gets handed a smartphone, he's like, I know what this is. I just don't know how to use it. Where Kiryu is like, I don't know what, like by the time he comes out of jail, it's like self, like cell phones were not really a thing. And then he gets out of jail and cell phones are a thing. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. It goes from the flip phone to the smartphone, like smartphone. 
over yeah, the course then, of like one through six, you see the phone just change with the time. Because yeah. what the game does is they always like to time skip in accordance to when they also release the games. So yeah. I noticed like, Yakuza that with... Five comes out in like 2012 or 2011, and then there's that like time gap, and then it skips to 2016. But that's also when the game got released. At I least noticed that with with like a dragon as well. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, based on the release of when it came out in Japan, I'm like, okay, this is when. They like very intentionally made it so that it was like current day, which kind of reminds me of something you said on the stream we did, where I had you along for the like a dragon stream I did on uh, Friday, where uh, you you pointed out like maybe the next game that comes out everyone will, they'll be wearing masks because of the post COVID <laughs> stuff, which would be really interesting to see that reflected in, in the uh, the next game. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they might just skip that all. Pretend it didn't happen. Pretend yeah, it didn't happen. People fucking scream at you about social distancing. Yeah, I don't know how it's how COVID's doing in Japan. You don't really hear much about it. The only things that I heard about COVID and Japan was when they were still trying to have the Olympics happen mm. because they'd already dumped so much money into it, and eventually they were like really downplaying the the number of cases they had, and then eventually I think the like official Olympic committee or like some body came together and was like, "Yeah, we're not attending," and then they just like canceled it on them, and they're like, "Fuck!" They <laughs> called our bluff. Well, the Olympics isn't actually about sports. The Olympics is about making money. I don't know if people oh, realize yeah. that, but any country that hosts the Olympics spends billions of dollars building up all of the infrastructure for it, and then they make more than that back when people visit their country because of the Olympics. Being the host for the Olympics is basically like your country gets a giant stimulus check from the entire world. Pretty much because of like the ticket prices for each of the events and all that good stuff. Too. Well, it's just like and the big thing is that people are coming from foreign countries and they're mm-hmm. injecting their money into your account, your country's economy. All like the shops, like like food shops, souvenir shops, all like that shit. They, they do exceptionally well whenever their countries are hosting the Olympics. Oh, what if the next Yakuza game is all about like being set around the Olympic time. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Because it's ha- it's technically happening this year unless whatever else. Oh, man, really? I to throw it out. I'm pretty sure it was, they said, like, we're just delaying it till 2021, like, summer. So the Olympics before, they were always on a year that was divisible by four. Mm-hmm. At the current rate things are going, they're going to end up having the fucking Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics in the same year. You know, that actually might be a nice little, like, celebration when we're all done with this, just have it all at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, as far as the uh, skating back to Yakuza like a mm-hmm. dragon, yeah, I really don't like the the combat at all. I, th- I think it's actively really bad. Yeah, it gets very repetitive. I mean, some of the moves are really, really funny, though. Like you said, you really liked the pigeon. Oh, yeah, I like the move. pigeon, the pigeon move where Namba pulls out a bag of pigeon seed and throws it on somebody and then this swarm of pigeons just die bomb the person like the cuckoos from zelda mm-hmm. the, the rancid breath yeah but <laughs> the animations are like really robotic looking a lot of the time which is very distracting so like some of them are, are like pretty okay but then other ones are like wow this looks very underdeveloped and it's because they had to make a bunch of like shared animations that characters could use for all of their attacks instead of like really tailoring them and fine-tuning them for one character some bosses you actually have to fight uh, with only a certain number of moves because, like, if it's a non-human fight, because you do fight a few non-human ones. Oh, they're just resistant to everything. They're well, they're one resistant to everything, and two, you can't use like moves that it's like you're gonna like throw 
the being you can't use a bunch of moves so then you're like even more limited in what you can use so i did a side quest where i had to fight i'm not gonna say what it was but it was a giant robot and Mm -hmm. it actually it actually (laughs) took me like 15 minutes to whittle this thing's health down it was so tedious it wasn't even threatening it didn't even do that much damage to me it just took me a really long time to finally get through its health bar it was so annoying about 15 minutes is probably an exaggeration. It's probably closer to 10 minutes, but it, it was, it was yeah. like a really long, drawn-out fight, and it was not fun. Mm-hmm. That's pretty frustrating. I really hope if they... or I, I'm going to assume when, not if. So when they do another Yakuza game, I'd really prefer if they went back to doing things the way that they had in the previous ones. I don't really think the turn-based combat works. If they're going to do it again, they got to flesh it out more. It has to have some kind of meaningful mechanics to, like, to clean up the animation a bit. And, and Ian from Adventure Rules, shout out to Ian from Adventure Rules. He said this on one of his streams really intelligently, and I'm probably going to butcher it paraphrasing him here, but <laughs> a big kind of gimmick of the combat is that you can use environmental effects, like the objects that are around you. You can pick them up, kind of like how you could pick them up and beat the shit out of people with them. In, in yeah, but only Ichiban can do that. Yeah, but like there's positional-based attacks as well that the characters have access to, but you have no meaningful way of positioning your party or the enemy party at all so there's no way for you to actually influence or use them aside from just randomly being like oh i guess everyone's grouped up i can use this ability now mm-hmm. oh it's i see just, what you mean yeah yeah it's, or, it's, it's, I see what it means yeah it's just and I, I, well, I have the exact same problem it's like there's no meaningful way to influence positioning even though positioning is like a mechanic of how you certain moves work and how the fights can play out well even sometimes when it's like the you got like a the ranged one like where you're swinging the bat all around it's like by the time you get there some of the enemies have already left that area just because of how the game's playing out like they're all moving around yeah so it doesn't work it's frustrating the job system is kind of goofy as well like, they want you to use multiple jobs because you can get bonus stats from doing so, but the jobs level up so fucking slow, and almost all of the bonus stats are, like, backloaded in the leveling up tier. Yeah, I'm... Because I'm trying to platinum this, I have even more information about this that I think you might know, because you're not far enough along with it. So, it exponentially grows... And then it basically just flatlines with what you need. So it's like all like 600,000 experience points or like 700,000 job points. I, I can definitely notice the exponential so growth. It takes longer to level up my job than it does my characters. My characters yeah, are I mean, like like almost it, level 30 and a level 10 job takes almost like more experience than getting to like the next level mm-hmm. for the characters, which is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's like 1 through 30 and then it just flatlines with what you need as for the next one. So... Because I'm because I'm grinding this out for the platinum. I'm taking a break though, though from it. But you basically have to fight a bunch of old sweaty men from the sewers in Camarocho, and there's like four of them. And if you're able to kill them, they basically act as the metal slimes of Dragon Quest. I have a shitload of experience points, but they're really simple to kill. Yeah, if you've got like the you got like one item that times your job experience by 50 percent, then you get like six hundred thousand. so you essentially get an extra level each time you kill these you have to keep killing them over and over and over and over and over again yeah that's not gonna get tedious at all exactly mostly this is this grind is just because they added in a final dungeon that was dlc in the japanese release it's funny because the platinum in 
Yakuza 7, which is what it's called in Japan, is like at 40%. And then this one is at 10% because the dungeon at the end is just fucking ridiculous. Granted, they did essentially give all that DLC that was you had to actually pay for in Japan for for free included in the the package for the international release. That's because they already had it. So, well, the thing was, it even included New Game Plus, which is just fucking baffling. Like, you pay, pay for, for New for Game that. Plus. What the yeah. fuck? So when this came out, it was more of like a, um, you know, like the FOMO fear of missing out because yeah. for anyone who purchased it in this small period, it'd be like a dollar, like, or really, really cheap. But then if you bought like the game later and then bought the DLC later, cause you were kind of on the fence about it, it's going to be like 10 bucks, something like that. 10, 15 bucks. Like is, it seemed very, well, it was very slimy. I think. Yeah. They had like, it set like at a date, just like Nintendo's going to cut access to Mario 3d all stars. God damn it. Japan. I don't know if that's a Sega move or if that was the developer's move, but they've been a- adding a lot more DLC in their games. I didn't even realize that this game had like so many extra versions for the. Release. Oh, I, I did because they're on the they're on the Steam page. Well, I got the physical one, so I didn't even realize. So. Oh yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah. the uh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Let me bring up the Steam page here. There's like Legendary Hero Edition. Yeah, I think there's like three different versions of it. Yeah, there's by. Yakuza Like a Dragon Ichi Edition. That's the one I have. Buy Like a, a Dragon Hero Edition. And then there's Legendary Hero Edition. And then they have a fucking infographic that shows you what you get with that, which is my favorite thing. I love when that happens. They have to have a fucking infographic to explain why, what you get for stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's terrible. I actually got the pre order bonus legendary costume set with mine for free. I think that's just because I own Yakuza Zero. <laughs> Yeah, I got a few extra costumes in mine, too. But yeah, so it's like the one is just like the base game. Actually, I don't even know what the fuck these other things even are. Job set, management mode set, crafting. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that shit is. Are these just costumes? Essentially, yeah. Just yeah, it looks like most of them are just costumes. costumes. You just need to buy the base game. You don't need the these extra bonuses. Why the There's... fuck would anyone pay an extra $40 for a bunch of costumes? Dead or Alive 6? I mean, yeah, but I can kind of understand why people pay extra money for <laughs> the costumes in that game. Yeah, I know. Because people big... need the horny guy for that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Just to be clear, neither of us really hate this game. Yeah, I know we've been begging on it for however many minutes now. But, like, this is a game that is good despite all of its flaws. The RPG stuff, I don't think, works on any level. The open world is too big. It's not as densely packed. I don't like that as much. But, like, the story is fucking phenomenal. The side quests are just as goofy as they were in the old game. I love all of them that I've played through so far. Some of them are, like, really serious. Some of them are really heartwarming. Some of them are just plain goofy and, like, laugh-out-loud hilarious. Some of them are a combination of all three of those things. And then there's like the side games. Like the mini games in this game are are really, really good. I liked I played darts, that's really fun. I keep playing the homeless can collecting game. That game is my shit. <laughs> I love it. It's so mm-hmm. it's so fun. And then Dragon Cart is both fun and not fun. I wish it had a better sense enough. of yeah. speed. It just like it feels like you're moving at a speed that is slower than walking. And that's entirely because like that's that's entirely the fault of the developers. There's a way to trick people into think they're thinking they're moving fast. They did none of it, so it looks like you're just moving at like 
like an old person could walk faster than you while you're driving these fucking go-karts everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you really only need the... Once you're in the lead, all you need is the speed-up boost, which mm -hmm. it's sort of aping a little bit of Mario Kart, but bad really Mario poorly. Kart. It's bad Mario Kart. It's really bad Mario Kart. <laughs> it's like if the first version of Mario Kart existed and this was the prototype. My big issue is that like if you're behind someone and you smash into the back of them, you lose all of your forward momentum. Like, all of it. You stop moving forward, you start moving backwards, because all the cars are physics objects. Mm-hmm, yeah. I've had that happen a few times, and I'm like, what the fuck? It's more realistic. It's not super video game. It's, like, it's very realistic, but I'm, at the same time, I'm like, but in my brain, I say I should, like, rear-end them, and they should go flying. Like, that's... Or at least I shouldn't lose 100% of my speed. Like, what mm -hmm. the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, whereas the speed in that can-collecting mini game is on, on point. Yeah, you're you're going at the right speed. Yeah, it feels really good. It's got like a really good sense of momentum. It actually feels yeah, like you move faster, even though you're technically moving faster in these go-karts. I don't know what... There are tricks you can do to make your game look and feel fast. Sonic does a lot of them. Sonic is about making you feel like you're going fast without actually going fast. Because a lot of the Sonic games, you act, like you can play through Mario games a lot faster. And Mario actually moves a lot faster than Sonic does. And like a lot of their games. But in more recent games... Sonic Team has done a really good job of like really, really, really convincing you that your Sonic is moving at like a million miles per hour, which is great because <laughs> that's what makes those games fun. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's like a, a bunch of like different visual tricks, such as how you use motion blur, how the levels are even designed, the angle of the camera, like all of this shit can be used to make it look like you're moving super duper fucking fast, even when you're not really moving super fast. Just play like any racing game and you will see or just or like the newer sonic games i guess sonic generations would be like a good example of that you can see kind of what sort of visual tricks if you start analyzing like what they do and how they do things and like how they transition the camera and how like they frame things you'll you'll understand how you can make things look fast without actually being fast right yeah no i've played that one that's uh it's a really good uh it's one of my favorite one of my probably one of my favorite sonic yeah, games. generations is one of my favorites as well but yeah so it's like even though we, we spent a bunch of time complaining about a bunch of stuff, like all of the things that made Yakuza 0 great, aside from the combat, is present in Yakuza Like a Dragon. So it's still like a really, really, really good game. It's I don't know if it'll make my top list for this year, strictly down to the fact that I don't think the RPG stuff helps the game. I think it actively hinders the game. So yeah, it does make my list, it'll be... Yeah, it might be, it'll be an honorable mention, or it'll be pretty low on the list, because it just... You have to interact with this RPG shit so often, and it's so just poorly implemented, I think. feels very tacked on, and part of it feels like they're deliberately trying to copy like a really old-school style of Dragon Quest. And I think that those games are bullshit, because they haven't evolved with the times to implement like newer RPG stuff. I really don't like old-school RPG stuff, so it's like for me, it's just like, oh, I hate this. Because that's what it feels like in, in Yakuza. It's just like all this like old ass bullshit so i yeah i don't know i'm not i'm not super on board with it yeah no i agree uh even as a jrp uh, g fanatic it doesn't even work for me yeah well uh, maz and i were talking about this earlier this week he's really into jrpgs as well and he doesn't even like it it's not even like it's just me being you know me and saying oh, i don't like rpgs because i don't like a lot of rpg systems or like systems that are typically associated with rpgs it's like people who actually like this shit don't like this shit clearly they didn't do a very good job with it <laughs> yeah uh, nope though the management minigame is uh 
Very addicting and very fun. I eh. no, you don't like this much. It's okay. It the last getting from ten to one was very tedious. I did that today, and okay. I did not enjoy it very much because it was like in the earlier stages, it's like oh, I did really good in my shareholder meeting, and then it went up by like ten or like fifteen ranks. At the end, it's like oh, I did really well in my sh- shareholder meeting, and it went up by one. Yay! Oh, okay. <laughs> I see what you mean. It's like me going through it a lot and being like, hold down the button, get all the money. Okay, cool. The shareholder meeting, be the same five guys again. Okay, go up one rank, get 2 million yen, do it again. It was a bit of a grind at the end there because my businesses were all in a state where I'm like, well, I don't need to change any of them. I'm making like enough capital every single time. And then, yeah, every single time I was doing like the the shareholder meeting, it was like the same five NPCs. Like I beat them with the same people from my side of the thing. I did the exact same strategy every single time. I was just going through the motions. It was like very boring. <laughs> okay. So it would have been better if they actually swapped it out and I had to think about which person I wanted to destroy first and like what order I wanted to take people out in instead of it being quite literally the same five people every single time. And I'm like, okay, this person first because I can kill them in one hit. And then this guy and then this guy and then this guy and then finish off this guy. And it's like, oh my God. I was convinced they were going to do something kind of bait and switch where it was like, oh, you're in this scandal. You've like lost a bunch of levels and you have to like, you lose some of your business and shit like too. And you got to sell some stuff and then you work back up. Like I was hoping for that. I was hoping for some some more kind of like setbacks, just like random setbacks. Those might have had the potential to be frustrating, and they might have had that and found that it was frustrating, which might be why it wasn't actually there. But yeah, it was like very routine, and there was very little. Like it doesn't challenge you a whole lot, which is why eventually I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm kind of bored with this. I'm just grinding it out to get money. I mean, it's the way to make money. At near the end, it's like three million. Uh, once you reach that rank one. Yeah, I was getting. I got two million from my my shareholder meeting where I actually got to rank one. So. Yeah. After that, you get three. Okay, well, that's that's nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's like a lot of the things that make Yakuza great are still here, and they continue to make like a dragon great. But there's also a bunch of dumb RPG shit that has no business being here, and it doesn't really. I don't think it adds to the game. I actively think it detracts from the game. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Even the bond leveling system doesn't really. It's so basic. Why is it even there? And you only get like five levels. And then you're done, and it's like... Oh, that reminds me of something else I wanted to complain about. So, the way the quests are designed, it feels Mm. like they're all written and designed like you are still alone. Such as you were when you're playing as... uh, At least in Zero, when you're playing as Kiryu or Majima, and in the rest of the games when you're playing as Kiryu. There's so many quests where it's like Ichiban rolls up to somebody who's having a problem and he's the only person in the cutscene and then a fight breaks out and instead of it being you beating the shit out of the person like it would be in the old games, it's you and the gang beating the shit out of the person and their random gang that pops in. Then it goes back to the same scene and then he's they're gone again. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's just like really, really jarring and it really shows how like the new direction for the combat wasn't thought of or considered for any of the quests because they still feel like and they still function like they're from a game where you play a solo protagonist. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this game was like made to be a single player adventure and then they thought we got we got to change the formula up a little bit. 
There's no way they didn't have this direction from the start, though. Nah, It'd be so hard to change that mid-development. Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know, I'm just trying to think of like why the quests are designed this way. Other than maybe for the fact that it doesn't, the game won't know who your way. characters are, but at the same time, then block off those characters, or sorry, block off those quests until you get said character. Well, my whole thing is like, you know how with the different bond level things, eventually you get a quest for each character as you like raise their bond level? Yeah, I would have enjoyed if like all the quests were like that, where it's like, okay, these characters are actually actively involved in the quest, and then they participate in the fights. Because mm-hmm. like when you do the fight with, or if there is a fight, which I, some of them have fights. If there is a fight with that character, it's just you, like Ichiban and that character, right? The whole gang doesn't show up for that. They all have a fight, other than the bonus character that you get for the management mini game. Irichan? Uh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, she kind of has a fight. It's just like it's framed in the, the management game instead of being like a literal fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I have so many problems with her implementation. She's not even referring she to be part of the party. fucking story. It's so stupid. And she's not even in the story. She just disappears from the fucking story all the time. Like, oh my gosh, she shouldn't even be in the party. I know that Maz will get angry at me for saying that because he fucking loves Yuri chan but like she shouldn't even be a party member. <laughs> If they had put her in the goddamn story, it, I would. Because you're uh, yeah, going to get her. You're going to get her. That's for sure. Because you're gonna need money to buy whatever upgrades you need, whether that's new equipment or what. You're gonna go well, to that, the, the, that management mini game. The story forces you to do that management mini game too, right? So, well, more or less, yeah. You are kind of. You're not forced, forced to do the whole that. thing, but you're forced to do it as far as like starting it. You could essentially gamble your way to money because you could go to do poker or blackjack and then you could buy the platinum plates and then sell those off where's the poker i haven't found it i need to remember oh wait is it in is it in sotenbori like it is in yakuza zero there is one there but there is poker within yokohama yeah within yokohama or i think it's yokohama okay I'll, i'll look it up yeah there's poker and then there's the homeless mini games from the gambling oh, minigames from Zero. hate those. Mostly because I don't understand any of them. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But yeah, so it's like, for me, a lot of the new stuff they tried, I don't feel like is implemented in a way where it meaningfully adds to the experience or it was done really well. I feel like it's like a lot of the new things they tried are very weak. Yeah, that's why I think you'd really, really like... Six? I think you'd like two. Or two, yeah. So here's the thing. Six was the first time that they ran... or developed on their new engine the dragon engine so they took out a lot of mini games oh because they didn't have them but by the time they got to two they'd already built okay yeah okay and then yeah and then then zero and then or no one then zero or zero then one okay so they did zeros on the old engine ones on the old engine uh one being yakuza kiwami then they did six and then they did kiwami two Okay. It's really funny because then you like look at Kiryu and you're like, he's unaged so much. Holy shit. <laughs> From zero uh, for one because he looks so much younger. Yeah, that's why I think you'd really like two because it's got a lot of the same mini games. I'd almost say equal in terms of the new ones and some of the some of the gimmicky ones that are really funny that uh, there is a mini game where you basically have to win in a peeing contest in a bathroom. That's awesome. That's so stupid. That's very Yakuza. It's so very Yakuza, <laughs> and it's so funny. 
yeah, that one's that one's really really fun to play. <laughs> Except that I think you actually have to have like you have to have like it alcohol in drink first. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. This so yeah, you have to go and then come back, and but you can't like keep going. Oh, I think he says like all oh, out of piss or something like that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, but yeah. No, that yeah. The high level summary. We both love Yakuza like a dragon, but there are like a lot of problems with this game. It's great because of Yakuza, but it's also not great because of a bunch of other bullshit. Yeah, it's held back by its combat system. Yeah, definitely. So, is there anything else that you've been playing, Jason, besides Yakuza? Yeah, I played this one game this week called Solo Islands of the Heart. Is that the game you? Posted about on Twitter. <laughs> this is indeed the one I posted on Twitter. <laughs> that it asks many philosophical questions about love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. No more. But anyway, yeah, this is a weird game because it's only fun if you really like box puzzles. What's a box puzzle? For platforming. Like you have to carry boxes and then bring them over to the ledge and like Oh ledge. It's a Zelda puzzle. Kind of. It's very poorly implemented on console, and I feel like this is a phone game without looking it up. So, what was it called again? Solo Islands of the Heart. It might also just go by Solo Islands of the Heart. It's not available on phones. Oh, God. I guess it's maybe PC optimized then. It's in a Metacritic of 55%. (laughs) Holy shit. I picked it up on sale because it looked kind of cute and i don't usually go into games with too many reviews other than kind of the triple a ones if it's indie i end up just kind of forming my own opinions about it no big site has reviewed this game yeah exactly (laughs) and the small sites that reviewed it thought it was trash (laughs) it really is kind of trash it's not really that fun of a puzzle solver it and most it just asks you some yeah questions about love and then at the end of the game it kind of just says oh this is the summary of your question like your statements that you've made throughout the thing like this is the kind of person you are and it's like by the end of it i read it and i was like is this game telling me i'm getting a divorce like what the fuck (laughs) i'm clearly a very cynical person about love so i hope my wife doesn't listen to this but i mean who knows what will happen in 2021 the Sequel to sequel 2020. To 2020. <laughs> it never ended. It's just part one. We were all in the prologue last year. You're in the prologue, yeah. Fuck. The real shit starts now. Did you enjoy this game of nothing but the the worst puzzles from Zelda? I mean, I finished it. It's a nice. I mean, you that does game. not it's mean like, you enjoyed it. It does not mean I enjoyed it. It's like two or three hours. There's some okay puzzles. It kind of introduces like a sticky block near the end where you can kind of do a few cool things with it. But a lot of the puzzles are very like one dimension. Like you've got like one solution. That's it. So tough shit. If you wanted to do different unique solutions, I get some game puzzle games like that works. But for this one, it would be kind of interesting if there was a couple of solutions you could kind of come up with, but not so much here. Got the platinum for it, but that's not saying much because it was it was really not hard to miss much in that game he talks to some ghosts that are on on the way it's i guess they're all talking about love which is one of the ones that i shared the screenshot for which was and i quote give me a moment to find the damn thing what if i needed to spend a year without having sex every single person in 2020 exactly like that wasn't one of the questions i had to answer but there was one that's like 
if you had to spend time with family or your loved one, which one would you do? And I'm just like, oh, such a tough, tough question. Your family or your loved one? It's like, I'd fucking spend time with my loved one. Yeah. Sorry, mom tough and dad. Question. I don't know if you guys listen to this podcast. I think mom might, but it's like, sorry, I'd choose Miranda over YouTube. Like, <laughs> And I think most people would agree with that. Most people better not be choosing Miranda over their parents. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a different question once you become a parent, though. Like family being your kids. Yeah. I, but, yeah. But I guess. for us right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's loved one. Sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I played that, cleaned up, platinuming, uh, trying for the Nightmare Prince, and then flipping death. Kind of stick with what I said in the previous episodes. Um, Nightmare Prince is a great kind of physics based puzzle game. Combat fucking shit. You only need the ice arrows because it just freezes the enemies and then you <laughs> don't have to worry about the enemies chasing you. Mind you, the only frozen enemy that you can't freeze is either the bosses or the frost spider, in which case all you do is change the fire arrow and it dies in one fucking hit. So there's nothing you need to do. And if the archer character dies, then just revive them because there's a revive mechanic where you just hover over their body and hope that the other enemies don't show up. Or and then you switch to the third party member, which is usually the wizard, because he's fucking garbage at fighting at all. And I know he gets a few upgraded moves to fight with, but the XP system and the new skills that you get are just dumb you get the new abilities throughout the story progression and that's all you really need to finish this game i think i had like 10 skill points by the end and i didn't spend any of them because it was just like didn't help at all question for inquiring minds you sound like you did not enjoy this game that much why did you bother getting the platinum trophy oh just the combat's bad i really like the puzzles sounds like you had to do a lot of combat to get the platinum trophy though it's interlaced in between certain levels, so when you have to go back and clean up, there's a checkpoint system in each chapter, and it tells you what like collectibles you missed, essentially, so the experience and stuff. So all you do is p- pick that one, start it up. For the most part, I didn't have to refight anything, and then you just okay. quit out to the main menu, and it's, it's saved that your experience, so that's okay, kind of that. saving grace. That's a fair question. I used to like 100% achievement games on Steam, and I stopped doing it because I'm like, man, I fucking hate doing this. So <laughs> I don't hate it yet. That's the thing. I'd rather play a game because I enjoy playing the game instead of because of random goals. I think for me, it's more the OCD part. Yeah, you'll get over that when you play enough games to piss you off. I suppose I haven't played enough games to piss me off. And then I played Flipping Death. Good game. Pretty good story. Uh, platforming kind of just sucks ass in certain Yeah. Regards. Yeah, that's, the main, that's my main... I'm not even going to dispute that. I agree. <laughs> it just doesn't work sometimes. Like Sometimes you think you'll reach the edge, and it doesn't. And then you have to throw the damn scythe in order to kind of make certain ledges. But even that's kind of finicky. So for me, it was just unlocking every single character in the level and th- uh, to possess. And then you just switch between them because the game like it lets you see the map and then it just lets you pick the character to fast travel to and then you can easily just possess them and then do whatever is needed for the puzzle to in order to progress the story which overall the mechanics that they had were each character that you possess has some sort of gimmick like one guy's a hacker one guy's fucking pokes people he he disappeared way earlier than i thought he would i thought he'd come back from the end never showed up nope yeah he just disappears I do just have to say that firefighter that's got the hurt conditions pretty damn funny. He, he insists on watching scary movies, even though his oh, yeah. said you that need to remind me of that because it's been like three or four years since I played. Yeah. 
yeah so overall those are two good games and then uh my wife and i have been playing valley because update oh, you one cut out there what was that you stardew valley i don't even need you to finish that yeah okay 1.5 came out yes wait is it yeah. out on consoles now it is not out on consoles but sarah picked it up on pc so we have been playing it uh co-op actually a uh, local co-op it's the split screen so with her on the keyboard and then me on a controller we've just been playing yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it reminds me why I really, really, really liked uh, Stardew Valley when it came out on PS4 and uh, like on console. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, playing it uh, co-op is it's kind of interesting because it's really hard to like pause the time limit. So the timer's still going on, even if like you're kind of sorting shit out and like the like your treasure chests um, that you've got. But also, the economy is completely broken. <laughs> yes, the economy is definitely broken. I mean, you can have it set up so that each of you has their own like allowance, or you have the pool, and we just chose the pool because it's like we're just gonna we're not gonna be dicks about it. <laughs> Miranda and I played back with one point three, I think it was, and it just had a pool. There was not individual money. We put it on half earning, and we still completely broke it. I think even if we did like. A quarter earning, we still because eventually we got to a point where we were just like because we're both so efficient, we were just like automating basically everything, and mm -hmm. then it was like we just made like fucking a bunch of money. I'm like, oh, the game is not fun anymore. And we do this within like the first before the first year was even out. With two of us, we're too strong. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but one dot five apparently has the developer said that uh, he's made a lot more end game content. So after you've like fixed up the community center, or I guess for the 1% of insane people that chose the, uh, Jojo Mart? the, yeah, the Jojo Mart over them, there's a lot more end game content that I actually have. We, neither of us have gotten to explore. Yeah. Eric's pretty good about updating his game with a ton of new free features. Cause he's made a way more money than he, He's made Never like enough money to be set for life from Stardew, so he just keeps updating stuff with like whatever. Because it's like at this point, he's like, "Yeah, I'm just like giving more stuff because people are still buying it." So anyway, that is it for me. Anything else uh, you've played? The only other thing I'm going to mention, besides like obviously I've been playing Yakuza Like a Dragon. It's been very all-encompassing. It's the kind of game that I kind of just sit and play, and that's the only thing I play. But I had to start playing Fire Emblem Awakening because of again, shout out to Ian from Adventure Rules. I've been watching his Fire Emblem. Path of Radiance streams on Tuesday night. So my whole thing is like I've played through Awakening. I guess this is my fifth playthrough. It's a game I've played through a lot and I like certain things in it, but I also hate other things in it a lot. And I keep replaying it partly for fun and partly to like study it, which I know is going to sound really weird to people, but I, I do play games occasionally to study them and to figure out like how they work on a design level. And after watching him play, I'm like, I've been playing Fire Emblem wrong because the only Fire Emblem I've ever played is Awakening. And in Awakening, they constantly spawn like these random battles that you can farm for EXP and you can just spawn them into the map yourself. I always played the game assuming that you were supposed to grind up everyone and that's not how you're supposed to play the game. So I always found the games really tedious and some of my old save files are like 100, 200 hours before I got to like the end of the game because it just took that long to like grind out all of the shit for everyone. I'm currently doing a hard playthrough on classic. I'm half done the campaign. I have the most like thunder Chad squad of people right now. 
the map design and the like encounter design makes way more sense when you only have eight or so units that are really, really, really strong and you go into mm. every single battle with them versus having like not that many because like everything at that point is so instead of going to every battle and having my units be approximately the same level or weaker than the enemy units and have them get a shitload of exp i'm on chapter 11 of 25 so i'm not quite halfway but i'm almost halfway i've already class advanced robin and sumia and krom longku cordelia and stall are almost ready to class advance as well Oh yeah, and Lizza as well. It's like a very different experience when you only focus on like a handful of units instead of splitting your EXP across like a lot of units that you can't really support. Right. And then it's like the biggest example of like how things make more sense. Mission 10 has four feeds on it and each of them has a item that you probably want to grab. And the only way to get it is to kill them. There's like four kind of like lanes on the map. You start near lane one and there's like a fief in each of those lanes. And the further away they are from the starting area, the better their item. And then they kind of like run up the lanes and you have to kind of like get somebody to go out there and then like slap them and kill them. The only way to get to like the third and the fourth is to use either Frederick, who's an advanced class unit, or to use Sumia or Cordelia because they have like seven movement. If you haven't been like heavily investing in, like, you can't really heavily invest in Frederick because he's like an advanced class unit, so he just eats too much EXP. He's really good as a support unit, though. If you try and do that, and you have like, if you have like Sumia and Cordelia at like level 12, you'll send them out there and it'll just get slaughtered. They cannot do anything. But if you send out, you know, like Sumia and she's level 19, she's paired up with a level 18 Krom. You know, you're just going to send them out there and you're just going to fucking kill everything that tries to attack them, which makes picking off those feeds that are really far away really, really, really easy. Because you can fly Sumia over there in like a turn or two and then just thunder chad the thieves to death. Just clap there. Just just give them the, the good old ass clap and kill them. And then everything that tries to like murder you, it's just like, well, they're just going to get murdered anyway because uh, when you're defending. Right, yeah. Oh, they're like level 12, and it's like, well, I'm like almost level 20, so I'm just going to destroy you now. Plus, you know, like I the the cannon ship of Sumia and Krom, so it's like, oh yeah, Krom will just fucking defend Sumia every time I hit actually lands on her. So yeah, it's just like, oh, this makes way more sense to me than like trying to balance equal amounts of EXP distribution to everyone instead of just funneling it into like a core group and then sticking with that core group the entire game. Like I've been like, oh, I understand now how people can play like Lunatic difficulty and like not just get their butt reamed i'm actually like bending the game over and just destroying it even though it's not like hard it's not very difficult i have only had two times where i had to soft reset because i did something stupid and it was immediately like oh that was wrong and this unit's going to die now and then they did and i'm like yeah okay i was right i didn't get lucky enough to have them <laughs> live through that like like just really stupid there's no way this is going to work such like yeah that's not bad for first playthrough on hard i guess that's not bad yeah i've played through the game on hard before it's just like i had to, i did a ton of grinding because i thought that was the only way to like get through things and it was when you're trying to raise everyone but if you're just like focusing on like a handful of characters it's very easy to just play through the game no grinding necessary and just go like like mission main mission or side mission and just keep bouncing back and forth between those and just keep going through the game and like not having to do any extra bullshit right 
yeah, I'm having a much better time with it. I still think that the stat growths, the way that those work, is a little bit frustrating. Almost all of my level ups have been okay on the characters I've been using. They usually get like three or four stats every single time they level up, which I think is okay. Ideally, mm. they'd get like six or seven stats every single time, but like the fact that they get like, you know, like HP and then like two other stats or HP and three other stats most of the time, that's not too bad. I'm having fun playing through Awakening with this like renewed knowledge of how to actually play Fire Emblem properly. Yeah, I'll be interested in seeing uh, what your end time will be versus the the grindy playthrough. I'm thinking that it'll clock in at under 30 hours, but I'm not 100% certain on that, which will be the fastest play time I've ever had for a Fire Emblem Awakening campaign. (laughs) That's crazy. Right now it's at seven hours and I'm at mission uh, 11. So, and I don't know how many of the side missions will unlock because I don't know. So that's the other thing. When you only use a handful of characters, it's like very easy to get their A rank or S rank relationships built up instead of like having it constantly be split all over the place. So I already have like a ton of, well, I guess not a ton. One S ranked and I have a couple of A ranked relationships already between the characters. So I keep like putting like the same support. I'll call them like support bot units on the stuff. So like I'm using Vake and Callum and Frederick as supporting units a lot of the time because they provide a lot of attack and defense to like anyone you pair them up with they have like a a couple of different like highly ranked up relationships which just means that like every time you go into battle your character you actually care about like the main character is going to have like more accuracy and more avoid so they just don't get hit and they'll actually land their hits (laughs) and then do a shitload of damage Okay, I see what you meant by broken. Yeah, it, the pair-up mechanic is entirely is super broken. It gives bonus stats, and it increases your hit rate, and it increase, increases your avoid rate, and the person who's paired up has a chance to attack between 30 and 50%, depending on what their relationship status is. Or I guess that's not true. It's between like 10 and 50%, but if they're like ranked up to like the max they can be, it's between like 30 and 50%. They, I think they need a class skill, and they need to be married for it to be 50. But if they're like married usually it's around like 40 ish and if they're not it's usually around 30 ish so like a 30 percent chance that you'll just do like a shitload of damage to the whatever you're attacking very cool yeah so that's that's what i'm doing probably by the next time we're recording i'll probably be done like a dragon and fire emblem so i'll started something or multiple something else's something's else there we go something's else Thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, the first episode of the Frosty Canucks podcast this year in what will be a very interesting 2021. You can follow us on Twitter at the Frosty Canucks. You can also follow us on whichever platform you prefer for where you can get your podcasts. So either that being Spotify, Stitcher, or the Anchor feed itself. Give that a follow and it'll let you know whenever a new episode comes out. Or the Twitter account will tweet it out every other Wednesday. That's it from me. Anything from you, Patriarch Frosty? Yes. I write on my blog, frostylate.ca. Go there and read stuff. I just posted my full game of the year list. So instead of the truncated one that came out with the previous week's episode, you can actually see all 10 games that are on there. There's some really good ones that I think people should check out. I would really like if people read that. For non-written content, you can go to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I am Frosty Lay on all three of those things. 
On Twitter and Instagram, I post my drawings. Uh, on Twitter, I also post out articles. And then on Twitch, I do art and I do uh, video games. Or I guess I play video games and I draw art. I alternate usually back and forth every other week on which one of those things I'm doing. So come drop by and chat. It's uh, always lovely to chat with different people in that Friday night time slot. All right. That's it from us this week. And just stay frosty.